the big book, uh, page 22, midway down. Why does he behave like this, the alcoholic? If hundreds of experiences have shown him that one drink means another debacle with all its attendant suffering and humiliation, why is it he takes that one drink? Why can't he stay on the water wagon? What has become of the common sense and willpower that he still sometimes displays with respect to other matters? Perhaps there never will be full answers to these questions. Opinions vary considerably as to why the alcoholic reacts differently from normal people. We are not sure why, once a certain point is reached, little can be done for him. We cannot answer this riddle. We know that while the alcoholic keeps away from drink, as he may do for months or years, he reacts much like other men. We are equally positive that once he takes any alcohol, whatever, into his system, something happens, both in the body, in the bodily and mental sense, which makes it virtually impossible for him to stop. The experience of any alcoholic will abundantly confirm this. These observations would be academic and pointless if our friend never took the first drink, thereby setting the terrible cycle in motion. Therefore, the main problem of the alcoholic centers in his mind rather than in his body. If you ask him why he started on that last bender, the chances are he will offer you any one of a hundred alibis. Sometimes these excuses have a certain plausibility, but none of them really make sense in the light of the habit an alcoholic's drinking bout creates. They sound like the philosophy of a man who, having a headache, beats himself on the head with a hammer so that he can't feel the ache. If you draw this fallacious reasoning to the attention of the alcoholic, he will laugh it off or become irritated and refuse to talk. Once in a while, he may, may tell the truth. We can stop there. How's that? <laughs> All right. Thanks, Jacob. Paul. Well, nice to see some people here, every person. Uh, <clears throat> yeah. I love this part with the, uh, these observations would be academic and pointless if our friend never took the first drink, thereby setting the terrible cycle in motion. So really, our solution is not, is not to stop, but not to start, yeah? It's like a vast space, uh, abstinence, yeah? So, and then all this stuff, all this self-knowledge would be pointless because you wouldn't need it. You wouldn't need to come with some convoluted rationale why you did the things you did because you wouldn't be doing them anymore, yeah? The whole topic would be pretty much subdued or put on the... Uh, shelf and you can get on with living and i really like the uh, abstinence not as some freaking choice or vow you make but as a condition you find yourself in like that we were placed in a position of neutrality to me that's sort of abstinence yeah you're just not interested in it it doesn't matter if it's a foot away or 800 miles away the same distance is there no matter how close or far it is. Yeah. You just, it's just done. And then basically I think that doneness is uh, 
contingent, that doneness for each day is contingent on the maintenance of a spiritual condition, yeah? And what we're sharing here is we are a spiritual condition. We don't declare that, we find that out by seeing what we're not, yeah? So we see what we're not and there, and then you fall into what you are. You can't arrive at what you are, you're already there. So it's sort of a falling into it, yeah? So the whole thing for me was the difference between self as something other than me or as an ass or as a ego or as an, as an appendage of Paul. When I saw it as foreign, the possibility of being free from it became available. And then that availability told me why I hadn't, that possibility hadn't been available because I was captured in that, that net of self can't get out of self. Yeah. I was confused about one aspect of that self in that statement. I thought it was Paul trying to get out of self and that made a lot of sense to Paul. I didn't know Paul was AKA self at the time. Yeah. And then when I see Paul as self, it makes complete sense. Self can't get out of self. When I keep seeing self as Paul, I just try to hatch a new plan, another, another way. So maybe sobriety with some fucking hallucinogens or micro dosing or whatever, somehow trying to maintain a very precarious mentally manufactured spiritual condition. <laughs> <laughs> it's just too much freaking work, I feel, <laughs> without that much return. So perhaps there is an easier, softer way. Yeah, these observations would be academic and pointless if our friend never took the first drink. So let's not take the first drink. <laughs> Have some other topics to talk about. <laughs> yeah. I mean, seriously, I, not, I do not have a, a, a strategy how to stop. I just don't start. So all strategies of stopping, I have lost interest in. Yeah. I don't want to, uh, most of the skillful means that I constantly had to be using have been put to rest because they were based on arguing with this undeniable fact that I had been taken over by alcoholism. Once I became clear about that and that I'm not managerial quality, the use of skillful means decreased because the basic condition is maintaining itself really. Yeah. The spiritual condition is sort of light maintaining itself by being on. Yeah. So the light lights up the light, lights up the light, lights up the light. Yeah. So. Yeah, so thanks for the reading. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. And then, you know, that that definitely the thing is of the sense of powerlessness, even though we feel like we have will and restraint in other topics, it just doesn't seem to apply to this one situation. Because really, this one situation is truly rooted in the... Uh, to me, the original disease, which is the mental addiction to self, yeah. And I feel like we are so far gone on that level that we call ourselves the drug. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I mean, the drug of self is, 
is uh, when swallowed, it arises as Paul. So we are already there, seemingly. <laughs> you know what I mean? Not tr trying not to do other drugs to get relief from that drug. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Everything, all the other solutions turn into addictions because the self gobbles it up. Yeah. <laughs> it's now you're the one. Yeah. So, yeah. If the problem resides in the mind, it's usually delivered by thought, yes? So let's just look at the word thought and my thought and see there's a huge difference, yeah? It isn't that difficult, yeah? You're not changing the thought. You're just changing something that's before the thought, which is the sense of these are my thoughts, yeah? Maybe just question that. It's not like, oh, we're going to have to go to a, a thought retreat and get all our thoughts lined up and have them only good. No, that's like the herding cat syndrome. It doesn't work. But if you see they're not yours, or at least entertain that possibility, I feel life will convince you of that possibility. If you hear invita this invitation, I believe life will convince you of this invitation. I do. You just have to see the where the where these pairs of these this pair of glasses and what you see will verify the truth of it. Yeah. This isn't about further study. We've got all the information right here. Yeah, if you listen to an old Zen master, Hoang Po, whatever can be perceived cannot be perceiving. Go into the head for five minutes and listen to the head's narrative, which is based on the exact opposite. The perceived, the thing called Paul, is what's perceiving. That's it. I mean, you don't have to have 800 additions after that. The device, the dividing of, of it is right there and then, yeah? We're in a mistaken identity. We take, we believe the perceived is what's perceiving. Yeah, we believe it's Paul that's becoming spiritual or doing, doing spiritual stuff or having spiritual experiences as a freaking body. Yeah, the body keeps getting reinforced by the accumulation of spiritual experiences and it doesn't seem to matter how many peak spiritual experiences, it never turns the body into spirit. I don't care how lo long you can hold a loving gaze or, you know, speak in a monotone and, and you know, whatever. I don't care. It doesn't matter. <laughs> so maybe you are a spiritual condition. Yeah, and maybe being that will be the way of maintaining itself, yeah? And then maybe it will lead you to how to improve conscious contact off the, off the two-lane highway of prayer and meditation, but find other possibilities, going in the water, taking hikes, playing with the dog. Everything will be a possibility to improve the conscious contact because now your interest and attention is going to the conscious contact, not the unconscious contact of the mental state with this idea of being Paul, which is completely unconscious contact. Yeah. Why waste time trying to 
teach the unconscious contact to get in contact with conscious contact. Yeah, just forget it. Yeah? Then it's instead of being the whole square, it's it gets shrunk to one square in the Zoom. Yeah? You can spend a whole day on a Zoom and not look at the one square. Yeah? You never see you don't even see the virtual hand wanting to ask another why. Why? <laughs> so there you go. Yeah. All this stuff I love. We're not taught, we don't, I just want to put out a point, the exact nature of the problem. If you agree or disagree, hopefully do it silently today, but, you know, go ahead and agree or disagree. Yeah, but here you go. Here's the invitation. Check it out. Yeah. Are these, are resentments yours or are they resentments? Yeah. Yeah. Is there a difference between my resentment and a resentment? Yes. Huge. How is, what is that my, for that my to change the, the word resentment so much? What's my Who's doing that? Yeah. It seems to have a huge wallop. Where the hell is it coming from? It seems to imply some activity of me or what I believe I am. And so I seem to be before everything else. And I give meaning to everything that comes after. Yeah. So you can give the meaning of resentment as a manifestation of self in one's life, or you can call them yours. Check it out. Yeah. You probably tried calling it yours for a long time. Hey, check it out. It's in the big book. Hey, resentment is a manifestation of self in one's life. Try it out. Do a five minute inventory with that attitude and see what it looks like. See the difference between my resentment and a resentment. Yeah. And maybe you be maybe you'll start sensing or be able to recognize traveling lighter. Yeah. Traveling lighter is expressed as, hey, a resentment came and went. Traveling heavy is my resentment. Yeah. Which is fed, groomed, cultivated for 30 years. Yeah. I mean, you don't need like a 30-year demonstration. Five seconds can show you everything. Yeah. Look at page 64 and follow the directions. Being convinced self-manifested in various ways is what has defeated us. We will now look at its common manifestations. How do we look at them? We do an inventory. Yeah? We look at our, the common manifestations. No, you don't look. You write them down. Resentment. Da, 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 da. Fear. Blah, blah, blah. Harm's done to others in pursuit of what you want. Blah, 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 blah. Write it out, Okay. And then see the habit that arises, that they're yours, yeah? And then maybe see that's not you. Because who wants to see, if they're your resentments, who wants to see the resentments? I got enough shit already in the closet, yeah? I don't want to look, I just want to deny it, avoid it, blame it on others. I just want to be at, I just want to have some fucking fun today, yeah? But but how can you not, you can't do a fearless inventory on you. 
It just doesn't work. You do a fearless inventory on something other than you. You can open up the closet and tell the truth about resentments and, and anxiety and harms done to others because now you've been freed from the identification as being the one who did it all, yes? You were driven, as it says in the book, driven by a hundred forms of something. That doesn't sound like you're the driver. It sounds like you're the car. So there. Yeah, keep coming back. It's never going to change. Page 64. If you're not in the act of being identified as self, why are you keep, keep why do you keep calling its manifestations yours? You must be in the act of being identified as self and just tell the freaking truth about it. Yeah. Because you'll see you're not that which is in the act of being identified as self. Thank God. Yeah. If you try to avoid it, you're going to be more it. But if you just tell the freaking truth, there'll be relief. Of what? The bondage of self. How am I being bonded by self right now? Calling a manifestation of self's mind. Yes? That would be a form or an example of bondage of self. I'm calling resentment, which is a manifestation of self in my life, mine. I am now bounded to self. Please relieve me of the bondage of self. All right? The bondage of self, my resentment. Relief from the bondage of self, resentment. There you go. There's an example. Bondage of self, my fear. Relief from the bondage of self-fear. And actually anxiety, really. It's not even fear. Yeah? There's another example. I'm the cause of all my misery. No, I'm not. Something used the facility called Paul to manufacture misery. Something else can use the facility called Paul and manufacture compassion. It's who's running the factory is going to dictate what kind of, what products are being made there. Yeah? Old employer, misery. New employer, compassion. One, captured by the statement traveling heavy. Other, captured by the statement traveling lighter. That's simple. You don't even have to go to example two. Just rest in example one. Everything is revealed right there. Yeah. The root of the problem is revealed when you read a sentence in the book that is the big book, and it says very clearly, you and I have been defeated by this thing called self by its manifestations. We are now going to look at its manifestations, not ours. And then you put pen to paper and you call that thing, that manifestation of self, yours. That is the exact diagnosis of the exact nature of the wrong. The act of being identified as self. Yeah. You want any more x-rays? There's another one. 
Yeah. You're like the you're like the nursing surrogate mom giving life to resentment, fears and harms done to others because you believe it's you that did it. Even though you were under the influence of something else that used you for transportation, you still stubbornly in the head think you were the doer of everything that ever, ever has happened through you. Yeah. And you're carrying guilt and shame and pride and whatever. And you just weighed down by the bondage of self. That's not attractive. So, yeah. There you go, Jacob. Yeah, seems clear enough. I know that every time I, I run a fourth step in my head via that method, I get relief. That it's as simple as that. Yes. Um, it comes it comes with a lightness in the body also. It's not just a kind of a a detachment or a um yeah, a, a removal. It's it's yeah, in the body too, I feel it. So yeah. how it's working. It's a heavy weight to think you're a, a doer of a lot of shit you had nothing to do with, really. Right. And especially when it's historic. You've been sober 34 years and you're still being held by an umbilical cord of guilt and shame based on being the doer of some of that shit that happened when you were out there. I mean, after 34 years. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, really. Yeah. Hmm. You know, we have this thing in, in AA, many people, it's just like a duck goes to water. They really have a sense that something has done for them what they couldn't do for themselves. And it just, it just, uh, jettisons gratitude yeah you don't yeah. even have to learn it you're just so happy you've gotten a relief that no human power seemed to be able to do and you're just grateful yeah you don't have to be told to do a gratitude list you're just grateful yeah easy and then you start seeing that something that you call whatever the higher power or spirit, whatever it has and is doing for you what you can't do for yourself. And it just seems such a natural, like, choral response, you know, hallelujah or gratitude. Yet, concerning the old employer, yeah, yeah, so here I am, something has done for me what I could never do for myself. Well, something did through me what I would never have done by myself in yeah. the past. Where's the clarity about that? Mm -hmm. Yeah, we give all credit to the higher power. I'm not talking about a blame, but a responsibility to the lower power. Yeah, I mean, if all credit is going to the higher power now, there's got to be something about the lower power. You can't keep claiming that you did all that shit that you were driven to do by that power. Yes? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So if you can sing the glory of the higher power, I think you can become clear about the accountability of the lower power. I do. Yeah. 
So that now I'm not saying right away because it would be a way of trying to get out of responsibility, but you've done your amends. You did your inventories. Yeah. You, you took responsibility, but while you did, you saw something else's role in your life, which was self's. Let's get a little accountability to that. Yes. I think it's time for many of us. I think there's more waves of recovery that happen. Yeah. The people who wrote the book were only four years sober at most. I think there's more waves that come in recovery. And one of them, I think, is accountability and really seeing what was the exact nature of the wrong. After you take responsibility, I think there's another wave of accountability where you now you see that, yeah, the dog took a shit on the lawn, but I'm not the dog. Yes. Let's be clear about that. <laughs> yeah. Humbly, I feel like it's time for many of us. Well, how is it? How are you? Uh, there's still going to be this binding to the past based on doership. Yeah. If you have a disease and you acted out based on that disease, would you be blamed for that? No, of course not. There would be a clear recognition that this disease motivated you to do it. But what about in this condition? Yeah. When do we put down that weight of bondage of being the doer based on that shit we had nothing really to do with? I was going to do what I did just like any other addict was going to do what they did based on the condition I found myself in. Yeah. You know, you hear these stories and nothing's new. Do you know what I mean? Someone goes to this great length and did this insane shit. You're like, yeah, sure, I've done it. <laughs> it's just, we were all brought to those same thresholds. Yeah. So, yeah. This isn't about getting sober. This is about recovery, recovery from the mistaken sense of doership about shit we had nothing to do with. Yes. So we can be free when, now, where, here. Yeah. Obviously, one of the biggest bondage of self is this identification of being the doer of all these past regrets and shit. Yeah. When is that going to be relieved? You have a miracle you forget it in a half hour, but you dwell on a seeming resentment for 40 years. You've got to see there's a bias in the head. Yes. It's not of the solution, it's of the problem. It's not reliable. It's not able to be depended upon, yeah? It has you con con sentenced and convicted for shit, crimes you didn't commit. So, yeah.
Well, I don't see any hands up right now, Paul, but uh, if anybody has any questions or would like to share um, about traveling lighter or anything really, uh, raise your hands. Go ahead and come on in. Uh, I see Hi. Gail has her hand up. Hi, this is Gail. Um, thank you so much, Paul. This is, um, I, I just keep drawing to these sessions because uh, it's always like mind blown, mind blown. Um, and I, what you said just resonated with me about uh, just living in an attitude of gratitude. When I come to the end of the day and they, that question, what could I have done better? And, and, and in my, my pink cloud experience, there's a power running my life now that I don't, I don't nitpick that power. So when I start thinking, what, what could have I done better? It's like, I'm not, do, I'm not running my life today. So I'm not criticizing how God ran it today. I don't, I don't have anything to say like, I should have done this or that better. Cause I feel like everything I'm doing is such a gift is so much better than anything I was doing before recovery. So it's like, I'm living today, I'm alive today. Okay, so I say all that to say, so you're inviting or you're, you're, you're putting out there, if I'm hearing correctly, the, 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 I'm, I'm envisioning the possibility because I live a lot, I have lived a lot from remorse and regret rather than resentment. Like the resentments I'm not holding on to, I'm holding, I have been holding on to remorse and regret. regret. And I'm hearing you say that that's, that's a bondage to a belief that that was me. And, yes. and you said falling into the awareness that I am a spiritual condition, always have been, always will be. And all of this other stuff is like noise in the field. And I'm easy to let go of the miracles that come into the field. And I'm hanging on to remorse and regret in the field. And they're, they're all sort of mocks nicks. But it just it's it's taking me to this edge of like there is this freedom beyond all that noise of remorse regret resentment that one can when you said falling into one can let go and just fall into the spiritual condition so anyway i just thank you for just opening my heart my awareness of these possibilities um because i feel i'm moving into that space and it gets a little scary sometimes because i don't I don't, I come here is where I connect into where, yes, Gail, you're not going crazy. You're, you're becoming more free and it's really, really okay. And it's a good place to be. So I'm not sure if that was a question, but thank you, Paul. Well, thank you, Gail. And your being, your presence is of great service to us. So that's great. Yes. There's a simple, uh, this idea of being the doer is what confuses us concerning why we can't stop drinking, yes? Because if you think you're the doer or the one that's doing a lot of stuff, it seems to imply you would have some power over what you do, yeah? And so the head is always perplexed by its own failure because it's thinking, why am I doing this shit, yeah? And it's very, because it believes there's a power that's co de denoted by the statement on the doer that the dilemma is actually powerlessness. 
you can't fucking out, you can't do yourself out of this. <laughs> so the system runs into its own failure and it's perplexed and confused. Mm -hmm. But if you realize it's a failed system, you won't be. You'll recognize that something took you over and you don't have much say in the matter, tell you the truth. Yes. And you're going to be stuck with all the guilt and shame of what's done, but having no power over not to have done it. Yeah. It's a perplexing story for a system that likes to cover up its own failure. Yeah. Yet it gets exposed constantly in active addiction and then recovery from the underlying causes. Yeah. You can just see uh, the failure of the system that you've been relying on. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, and it says very clearly in the fear inventory, why are we in so much fear today? Isn't it because self-reliance has failed us? Yes. So there you go. You're in this perplexed, dumbfounded condition that you drank again, even though you didn't for a week or two, and you thought it was your willpower. And once again, the system failed you because it's inability to admit its own failure. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So it just has you keep doing the same old, same old, expecting different results, and you keep getting the same results. Yeah. And the system is, the system doesn't tell on itself. Yeah. It just pastes over it, rationalizes it, blames it on others, projects away. Yeah. You have to, you have to come to a sober assessment to see that, yeah, why am I in so much anxiety? I have my ideas of that, but I've been read, I read this book called The Big Book, and it says it's because self-reliance mm -hmm. has failed me is why I'm in all this anxiety. Well, how has been all my ideas why I'm in this anxiety? Have they worked out? No. Well, maybe I'll open up to the possibility of what I just read. Maybe it's reliance on self that's the cause of the anxiety. What? Yeah. And what happens? If you start telling the truth about that, you get relief. Yes? And the relief makes it... Brings in the failure of the system into higher contrast. Yeah, because the system cannot deliver the goods. Its idea of happy, joyous, and free is contingent on thousands of requirements and always put into a future date. <laughs> it's never readily available as you are right now. Uh, of course not. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> Just if the bridge of my weakened, yeah, so all that power could be distracted and go, and go somewhere else and set her into the idea of my thought and my problem and my agenda and my, 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 yeah? Yeah. Yeah, so I'm happy to see you, Gail. Thanks for coming. Thank yeah. you, Paul. Thank you. Thank you, Gail. And we have John S. from Florida. Come on in, John. Hey, thank you. Uh, hey, Paul, thanks, man. Kurt Z, thanks. I, I appreciate your guys' message, man. You've you know, listened to you the last couple of years and uh, just absolutely have saved my life in, uh, you know, in long-term recovery. And um, 
I just want you to kind of uh, riff on something here that, um, you know, you touched on it, you know, where self claims everything and, you know, it, it claimed my spirit, you know, any spirituality that AA promised it delivered, but self claimed it. And, and there's a little paragraph in your book. If you just riff on this uh, from the escape to everywhere on page 70, it says now that the conscious contact has been hijacked, you know, and that, that describes it completely, man, you know, it, I had this experience, but then next thing you know, I'm on the train to nowhere that never stops at the spiritual, you know, the spiritual awakening, because I'm already there, like you say. And yes. you know, the counter evidence of this idea is that available at all times through the conscious contact itself, as Buddha said, when seeing, see, and when hearing, hear. That, that is so cool, man. I mean, it's available to us every moment. You know, we just have to, like you say, we got to recognize that what's driving us is not us. Yes, and, yes. Right? And pause and return to conscious consciousness. Thanks. That's all. I, just thanks, dude. I mean, these books are incredible. You guys, if you haven't had the, read these books, man, you're missing out. They're awesome. Well, thank you, John, for that uh, testimonial. <laughs> The thing is that with the head, it says when see, it implies you're the seer. So it's a totally different, it arrives at a whole different point than the Buddha would. <laughs> when seeing see, no. Recognition of seeing, there's got to be a seer. <laughs> it's just, I mean, you don't have to go to page 500, just right there. It tells you everything. It does. Everything is just a repetition of the basic movement of claiming. Yeah, you can you can see 8,000 repetitions, but what's revealed in 8,000 repetitions is revealed in one repetition. You don't need 8,000. You can just see it, and then the mind expands on it, the principle, yeah? The act of claiming, so conscious contact, yes, seeing, hearing, feeling, tasting, touching, mental reaction, claiming the seeing to imply a seer and to emphasize the seen, claiming the hearing to imply the hearer and emphasize the heard. Yeah, da-da-da. You could, <laughs> there, here it is. Here's the dough. Five seconds later, it's got some sauce on it and some fucking cheese and like that, what happened? <laughs> I just had this, this could be anything. And now it's suddenly it's a Domino's pizza. Yeah. And I have to, I have to fucking admit the reality of the Domino pizza. I'm not into admitting that reality. Yes. That's an interpretation. I rather see what was before all this, all the cheese and the sauce was put on. Yeah. So Yes. When seeing see, what a fucking man that was in. That's that's a very uh, outrageous demand from, from the Buddha. What? Yeah. When seeing see, is that's wow, that's a tough one. I don't know if I can do that. <laughs> what? <laughs> that's the easiest thing in the world because it's what's happening. Seeing see, not seeing seer. <laughs> <laughs> because once the seeing is turned into the seer, you're blind to the seeing. 
<laughs> now what's looking becomes what you're looking for. <laughs> uh, yeah, so let's go on to the 800 example. Why? Just listen to what John just said about the Buddha. When see, when seeing, see. It's already put the moment, which is now, when, <laughs> when seeing, see. Right? That's your that's that's the suggestion today. When seeing see, when hearing hear. <laughs> yeah. Oh, wait a minute. This is a tough one. What's beautiful is it's not that you're gonna you're not it's not gonna be the seeing the see, you're gonna see all the add-ons, yes. When you hear that. What in it, what it actually informs you of is all the add-ons that the head's going to add on to the seeing. Yeah? That's why it gives it to you. It breaks it down to its raw activity and then so that you can recognize all the processedness of the fucking mental food. Yeah? Because then, wait a minute, seeing, seer, seer in time, He's got to see better than he used to because that on it, yes, it just goes off. Yeah. And before you know it, you right jab into the picture. The paint is dried. It's like, you know, take 88 and there you go again. Yeah. Seemingly. Yeah. When seeing, see, yes. I think we've all completed the mission when seeing see. We're completely a success. We've followed the, the, the words of the Buddha perfectly. Yeah. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah. All right, thanks, John. That was very nice, very nice. I better start reading my own books, maybe. I don't know. I have to check them out. <laughs> They're awesome, dude. <laughs> I may have to buy my own book. That'd be good. <laughs> There's got to be some around here somewhere. Thanks, John. And we have Johnny B. Come on in, Johnny. Oh, Johnny. Hi guys, uh, it's so absurd, Paul. It's so absurd how serious it takes itself. Like, I get why you laugh so much, you know? And I would love to say that I heard this message and I was free, but it's never, I mean, it uh, never is a weird word. It doesn't work like that. It's only now when there's an inquiry uh, about what, you know, what is me. And I am given this incredible uh, gift of seeing how whack it is this uh, defiant individuality 
defiant individuality. I re it refuses to believe in a gazillion years that these are common manifestations of self. No, they're terminally unique. And then when the moment happens, when I go, wait a minute, there's something, there's something else. I hear the similarities in total, not the differences. And then it, I just start cracking up. And I go, man, I, I was pulled in to the big lie for uh, five minutes or five hours or five days or five weeks or whatever it is. And it's so absurd how seriously I, it takes itself or I take myself or however you want to say it. And it's non-abiding, but the longer, the more right nows I spend in inquiry of what is me and what is self, the, the, I travel lighter, like you said, and the more the orbit widens. And I get to spend more time, more right nows in reality. But the, I guess the main point is just how shocking and absurd uh, it is to believe, the, to be so pulled in and how strong, seemingly strong, the defiant individuality and grandiosity are. So uh, my question is, what's the capital of South Dakota? Uh, is it Bismarck? It is. Oh, there you go. Did I know that? No. But was it was there knowing of it right that moment? Yes. Bismarck is North Dakota. Pierre, what? South Dakota. Which one is South Dakota? I think it's Pierre. Oh, there you go. Oh, there you go. I was wrong. Still, I feel right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hmm. All right. Anyone else? Yeah, we got Tom. Oh, Tom. Tom. Hi, Paul. Um, hey, Tom. I got sober in a group that uh, uh, I haven't seen other groups do this, but they had us write out the self as the third column. You know, like under self-esteem, it'd say what self-esteem was hurt, threatened, or interfered with. And as I did this one at a time, I began to see all the different characters on paper that, that I thought I was. And each character had a security and an ambition and, and a story about personal relationships. If it was a woman with sex relations and and I saw that I wasn't any of that and woke up in a way. Uh, I mean, the book does promise an awakening if we do the work. But this group, uh, everybody kind of had an experience like that. But then we tried to maintain that experience by writing inventory every year <laughs> and uh, using the appendix as a reason. You know, uh, T-Boat says, you know, the reconstruction of the ego is something to watch out for. And after about 20 years of that, I mean, 
we played all kinds of games where we'd do lotteries and do fist tests with each other or in groups. And and one day the hair on the back of my neck literally stood up because I could see that nothing was happening. <laughs> Nobody was changing. Everybody was stuck in some kind of a mind fuck where we were all trying to manufacture a spiritual awakening by ourselves somehow. Mm. And uh, and I didn't want to do it anymore. I said, there has to be something else. And I, at that time, I also read uh, something about William James and that variety of experience where he talked about the necessity of a second awakening. And I thought, that, that must be what I'm missing. <laughs> so I set out to go find that second awakening. And there was, a, you, you haven't mentioned anything around spirituality or that I haven't tried in the last 20 years to try to find that. Mm. Um, and the result of all of that was what you saw and witnessed a month ago or so before you went to Italy. Uh, I just crashed and burned, um, gave up. And um, now I'm just here and hearing is not the same. I'm, I'm listening, but there's no one listening. And it's weird. Um, yeah. <laughs> they're just listening. And, uh, but I do feel like the, there's there's consequences of the last three or four years of this um let's call it self-will run riot and um so i contacted an old friend in aa to kind of take me through some kind of steps or something to clean up the mess but it feels like you know what you call the stick figure calling somebody in aa to clean up this mess and so i'm kind of on the fence about that and was wondering what you might say about that can you say that last bit again about the stick figure well, I said, so I have an appointment this afternoon to talk to a friend in AA. Yeah. And I was going to do the first three steps with them and maybe do some inventory. And it feels like the old Tom um, still trying to manage, not manage. No, I think it's, I just don't know because because well, there's no one home to listen, to hear. Well, maybe to work it's going to be helpful to your friend also. Maybe that's yeah. the point. You know what I mean? Well, there's a lot of... Not exactly. You mean well, like... maybe because it's not about you, it's it's going to be of service to him for you to do the three steps with him and stuff like that. Yeah? I hadn't thought about it from that point of view. Yeah, I mean... usually we don't. We... <laughs> <laughs> we, think, we think about it. We always lead, lead with the chin, but maybe, uh, yeah, yeah. Never know. And then also, see, again, this isn't about doing or not doing. It's about the sense of ownership before it, yeah? So, and in that sense, this doing being something you've done many times before, maybe it will be good because you won't see the same shadow as you used to see because now there isn't an object casting it anymore. Yeah. So it mm. could be very valuable because you don't really wow. give, you don't have a dog in the hunt, really. You're just going through the, yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. I would say go ahead. Well yeah, yeah, because just like we yeah. had a friend here who uh, was caught on the fence about doing a meditation retreat. 
So he did, and he realized he didn't want to do a meditation retreat. So he went to the meditation retreat to get the message he didn't need to go to a meditation retreat. <laughs> so even though you could have said, well, I wish I would have known before, but that's how he was going to arrive at knowing. <laughs> by going and realizing I don't have to be here. <laughs> oh. uh, you know, we always, we're always looking for like the Evelyn Woods speed reading, speed reading dance steps. But sometimes life has us do the same steps and then mm. there's a different result. It's sort of funny, yeah? Mm. Yeah. So, yeah, let us know how it goes, Tom. And uh, you're not where you were before. So things won't go the way they used to go. Got it. Yeah. That's how we find out. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I remember, you know, the head will get to the point, well, I shouldn't have to ever do an inventory and all this stuff, you know? So I remember I was at my older house and uh, something came up and I felt the little twinge in my gut. So I, the lady who lived with me, who I lived with, she had more time than I did. I just did an inventory on it, told her, I looked at, do I owe any amends? No, there you went. Yeah. So it was just like beautiful. It was a beautiful example to sort of like uh, as a way of recommitting to being, being at the effect of the inventories. You know, a lot of people do inventories and that leads them not having to do inventories anymore. Yeah. So that's how they arrive at not needing to do inventories was by doing a lot of inventories. <laughs> just how it goes. So, yeah. Yeah, let us know how it goes, Tom. And we're happy to see you here. And thanks. Thanks for all your shares and stuff. And uh, you don't know how value you'll probably do. All of us, our mistakes help other people save time. So were they mistakes they really weren't they are just other things to be of use yeah put to good use yeah yeah i remember i was with this i got cross miracles uh thing and uh i have i was stuck on the idea that spirituality must be demonstrated you know through kundalini and shit like that i was over with the loving gazes you know no there's got to be some fireworks, energetic, cathartic, <laughs> whatever. And so uh, I was started going out with this woman who was like the biggest light junkie of the whole cult, you know, and uh, just fucking full on on fire for like five years. And then she just told me it didn't mean a damn thing. So she saved me a lot of time. Yeah. So, yep. So yeah. nice to see you, Tom. Thanks for support, you know, participating with us. Yeah, we appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you, Tom. Yeah, I think that's uh, all the hands for today, Paul. Oh, We're that's at, uh, great. 11.30. Oh, that's good. Yeah. We're going to go to the city, I think, today. Sweet. Yeah. Beautiful day in Northern California. So, hey, Tom, nice to see you again, bro. Thank you. Thank you for being so open and sharing and stuff. Jacob, as always, I'm happy to see that 
you're in remission from self and everything else. Yeah, that's right. Fantastic. Kerry, as always. Yeah, Bismarck or no, south or north. <laughs> we got Johnny B, an old friend of mine. Very nice to see you, Johnny. Michael Stacy. Johnny gave me a thing by that guy that Tom mentioned, that psychiatrist. What? Remember that big printout you gave me? Johnny. Yeah, Harry, Harry Tebow. It's really. Yeah, his idea of uh, manufacturing uh, surrender, which was pretty cool. Yeah. So uh, if the universe doesn't want to surrender it, you can't manufacture it. <laughs> uh, yeah. We got Michael Stacy. As always, John in Florida, keep reading those books. Kurt Z. <laughs> we got Walter from the Netherlands. Yeah, Gail from the Pink Cloud. Very nice. Stefan from On Having Never Left. Tim, there he is. Say hello to Stacy and every and your family and stuff. Mickey, the matriarch of Madeira. Roman, he's risen from the dead. It was such a pleasure hanging out with Roman and Barbara in Italy. Very, won't forget you ever, bro. Uh, Steve C from San Diego. Nice to see you, Steve. Alex from the Hudson Valley. There she is. We got Annette from somewhere. <laughs> Upstate Brittany. Philly. From Philly area, all right. We got Oliver from Berlin. Jeff Penn from Southern Cal. Uh, let's see who else. We got Ronnie, I think it is. Anu. Uh, Judy. No, Jody. Bruce. Uh, let's see. I think that's it. Annette. We got that. All right, everyone. Thanks. See, nice. I see. Nice to see you, Kurt, and everyone. Bye, everyone. Thank you. Thanks, Thank Paul. You, Paul. Bye, everyone. Thanks. Bye, bye. Thank you, Paul.